Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 will dive into the Isaiah Rogers Rashad Berry story in a second. But you know, I know that this place holds a very special portion of your heart because of the time you have been here with our late friend Robin Miller, one of his favorite places in Indianapolis and just one of the better places overall in Indy, Mike, is Irias. Yeah, we used to. It's been it's probably been six months since we've been there, but all the star guys we always got together for birthdays or Christmas or special occasions, and you know, there there was no better event than we got there for a birthday, Robin's birthday, and everybody kind of shows up on, from work, and you you have you order and you eat, and then and then everybody keeps track of what they what they had, and you leave twenty bucks. But when it came time to cash out, we were like seventy-five or ninety dollars short. So Robin had to cover on his own birthday. So us idiots at the star shorted the waitress. So you know that's kind of how we roll. But uh, it's a great place. Uh, I can't think of the last diarrhea I knew whether it was Nick or who it was. But it's just just great people, great great food, and always great memories uh, whenever we were there. And we'll be back there soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories. I was talking about my my time here with Rick Majerus, and uh, Danny Bridges is here as well. We're going to raise our glass to Robin Miller coming up in just a bit because of what he meant, what he meant to us, and what certainly he has he has meant to this place. You know, it's funny how so many of these places I've discovered and, and really become a fan of and accustomed to going and you know eating and hanging out. And you probably are the same way, Mike, because of Robin Miller. Yeah, I mean, he, and he, 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 and he'd been going there a while, but the working man's friend we went to, and yep. great place, and, you know, you know, bring cash, not credit card. But, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the way, and th- there were places that the uh, Union Station we would go to as well. So, it, it, and it's just a good, you find a place where you can go and hang out with 10, 15, 20 of you. You got great service, great food, and it, it's funny you mentioned Rick Majerus. And when I first started at the Star, I covered one of, one of my side beats was Ball State, and that's when he was there. Was it your, was it the mid '80s? I think it was when he was at Ball State, and he had a badass team with Kid and McCurdy. I'm forgetting the uh, Curtis Kid. Uh, the, the, the two big from I think they were they were move-ins from Arkansas, I think. And boy, he took that team to. It was the regionals in Minnesota? I think it was. My my, my memory's foggy. Uh, was that not? I, I thought that that was. I thought that that was a Hunsaker team, wasn't it? With well, with, I covered. I mean, I, I know. Was, I, I thought, think I he brought. Was, I, I, thought I thought he scary. brought him in. I yeah, I thought he brought him in, but I think he left. He may have at some point I, I, I after thought, that. Before I before was, they before they was, had that run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, but I yeah. He, he was he was such a genuine person. 
Majerus was, and he was got to know him sort of well. And the greatest story is when he went to Utah. Didn't he live at a hotel? Yeah. At a hotel. He, you know, yes. he, he said they make my bed and they leave me a mint. We said, well, what else? What else do you need? <laughs> yeah, lived in a hotel. He um, he took me here once when I was at NDE, and he was my college basketball analyst every week. He'd call in during the basketball season, and he came to town, and uh, he brought me here. Um, and it was, in, I just kind of sat back and listened and watched. It was, you know, incredible to watch. And then two weeks later, because we were about ready to have Blake. Um, this So this goes back 17 years. And um, he sent the most incredible amount of clothes, baby clothes, to my door. <laughs> Do you ever seen? All of a sudden, this huge box arrived. And it was from Rick Majerus, and it was a bunch of baby clothes for Blake. I just think, he, again, you, you judge people by how they treat and treat other people. He was just genuine. He was a nice guy, hell of a coach, but a nice guy who, who not, not an ounce of fake in him. So, uh, again, he did great things here, and then he went on to do some really great things. So, uh, he, he has been greatly missed. And it's been, he's been gone a long time, but still great memories. So, Mike Chappell's with us. So... It comes down to now this. Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry was mentioned of this, of the Colts, suspended indefinitely through at least 2023, this particular season, for betting on NFL games last season. It is still absolutely mind-numbing to me. The incredible level of stupidity and mistake that is made here, in particular out of Isaiah Rogers. I mean, losing all of what you could have had for this. I, <laughs> I Listen, I don't know everybody. We all don't know. You know, I'm sure who we're talking about and who you cover to that degree. But what an absolute ridiculous decision that has led us to this. Well, and, and you know, I, I'd be the first to admit the NFL has done a really, I think, a poor job. Of, of what you can and can't do. I, I really, I, although there are things spelled out, but, you know, NFL players, they, they can bet on other sports, NBA and all this stuff, although not, not at the complex. But I, I think there is a little bit of gray area where pl- players can be sort of confused. But having said that, he bet, he bet on NFL games. He apparently bet on the Colts. Yeah. And he bet at the team facility. I mean, those are those are just just, just basic things that you cannot do. And you want to. And I've said before, I sort of feel sorry for him because of what what he's lost and career. He may get back at it and, and, and recoup something, but his immediate future is very very cloudy. This is indefinite, which means you can you can file for reinstatement, but there's no given that's going to happen. So it, 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 it's it's just I, I feel sorry for him to some degree, but this was totally self-inflicted. And any player, again, I, I think some of the policies are a little bit fuzzy, but not betting on the NFL and not betting from the team facility or a team, you know, function type of thing. That, that's black and white. So to that degree, you can't feel too sorry for somebody. Yeah, I mean, you know, bet on, you know, bet on his own team. I, I just, it is ridiculous, especially with the opportunity he was going to get. Listen, I don't expect yeah. him to be Champ Bailey or anything like that, but the opportunity he was going to get compared to now, more than likely being done, 
I mean, he's done here, no doubt, but done as a player. Listen, you got about a three-year window at the most, at least on the average for many in the NFL. And to burn a year at least of that three-year window, I mean, you got plenty of time to jack around like that afterwards. But it just it is ridiculous, the decision-making that went into this. Well, and, and that's what tells you maybe the pull, either the pull of the addiction, which I think is part of it, but then, too, I mean, maybe he was listening to people around him. A lot of times players get pulled down by people around him. Yeah. But, but again, what we've the, the black and white rules, just you can't excuse that. So, yeah, I mean, he, he was he was to make $2.7 million this year. That's gone. That's gone. And if he just has a decent year as a starter, he's going to get that second contract that's going to be, I don't know, 6 or $7 million a year. Uh, in the NFL, it's all about getting that second contract. Play out your rookie deal and get that second contract. And then, unless you're really, really misguided, you're set. You're set, and your family is set. So this is one of those human tragedies that uh, we talked about it and all this. He's living it. I think he probably will get a chance later. But it's going to be, you know, it'll be bare minimum early on. And then you really, because you come in, everybody comes in with baggage. This is major baggage. The fact that you bet on games, you bet on your own team. And you see these things like ESPN reporter or another outer reporter that he bet what was on a Colts running back on the over-under at some point last year. Well, see, this if that's true, this is why you can't have betting by players because I, – I, and we don't know whether he bet the over or the under on whatever the yardage was, but he knew up close and personal, internally, what the status of Jonathan Taylor was from week to week. And was he going to play? If he plays, is he 100%? So let's say that, you know, this was a, a week where Taylor – was really iffy, iffy, and even if he played to 100% and you bet on the under, well, that's that's insider trading, and you can't have that even remotely seep in to the game. With all the stuff about the NFL and their, and their sports books and Vegas having a team, I understand that, but you cannot have your players, coaches, employees betting on NFL. Can't do it. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Again, Isaiah Rogers, Rashad Berry of the Colts, suspended indefinitely by the NFL. That suspension handed down today. The Colts had a response to it from Chris Ballard uh, in a statement. I do want to get back to the Colts allowed, in, in our case, Zaire Franklin to go on with the morning show. And I think Alec Pierce went on with the midday show with Greg. And... I want to speak to what you had said at the outset that, you know, the the NFL didn't do a a good job about the rules being cloudy um, in some aspects. You could tell that the Colts players that came on our station, they were versed into talking about how well they were educated on that subject. And it, it almost felt like 
that they were overcompensating for what you just alluded to earlier. You know, they wanted to make sure that everybody, hey, listen, we're educating everybody in this building. Everybody knows. And because a couple of players go rogue here, our player goes rogue here in general, that doesn't speak to how we're being taught what we cannot do with this. So you could tell that that was a point of reference to start with when this Isaiah Rogers news went down. Yeah, even the NFL came out. They, they, you know, they're, they're sort of emphasizing to rookies now, and, and that's how they should do it. And I don't know what the Colts have done, but I do believe they they keep these players informed. Their signage in locker rooms. So again, the ambiguity comes from well, you can bet on this, you can't bet on that. Uh, you, you can bet, you know, at the Colts complex. You can't bet on the complex, but you can drive down to the Speedway station or Starbucks and make a bet. You're just going to have to make it that you can't bet. You know, like you said, it's for, for most players, it's a five or a six year career. You don't you just yeah. you just don't scratch that itch while you're playing, or certainly not when the season's going on. For crying out loud! So it, it, it's I think we're going to see the league really come out and say, "Hey, we're doing all we can do." But before that, like we talked to the players when this came up too, they know, they they know what you, they really know what you can and can't do, and if you don't know, then your judgment is really really askew, and that's a you problem. It is. I and like I say, some of the some of the policies are vague, what you can and can't do. But doggone it, you just it doesn't take you know. 10 clinics that say you can't bet on NFL games, you can't bet on your own team, and doggone you can't bet when you're sitting in the locker room. So uh, when it comes right down to it, this is a you problem. This is Isaiah Rogers. This is Calvin Ridley. All these guys, that's where that, that, that's on them. It, it is. And in Isaiah Rogers' case, the penalty is severe. All right, we found out Rashad Berry was a part of it. I, I thought, was he only active for, like, the final game? I, I lost track of him. I, I swear to goodness I did. And I'm, I'm off for a while, so I didn't look into it. But he's the kind of guy that, that the, the one thing you can't do when you're a marginal player is do something stupid. Now, you can't do you can't gamble when you're a star player either. But if you're even remotely marginal, you keep your head down and go to work. You don't do anything to give him a reason to catch you. Uh, but uh, like I said, I think Rodgers might eventually get a chance in a couple years when he really pays, pays the piper. People like Barry, I don't know. I really don't. Hey, do you think that in this situation that they're the lone – the lone Colts players in general that uh, have done this. Or the, well, I, I mean, would you be would you be surprised if something else at some point in time popped? No, because I've learned to never be surprised because things happen, and you know, you, you think you know this guy, then he's the one that does something. But but so no, I, I won't be shocked if a, if another player comes up. But having said that, and it would be naive to think otherwise. But having said that, they're casting a pretty wide net now, and they're doing quite a bit of due diligence on who to get. And I can't believe that they're coming down on 
10 or 11 players, and they're, and they're letting other guys pass. So if they've got info on other people, those people will get laid out too. So I, I just think we're seeing that there's 1% or 2%, not even that much, percent of the people, of the players, that no matter what you say to them and tell them, they're going to do something stupid. And, and that's, you know, I saw the Jaguars tack that was suspended with, for PEDs. You know, people will always do something they shouldn't do. And sometimes they plead ignorance. And sometimes you're just being stupid. And when you're stupid at this level, you pay a magnificent, you know, a huge, huge price. Hey, do you think, I don't believe I've asked you this before, and we know that the Colts did not know about this. They were not aware of what was going on. Do you think that they would have changed their mindset on Stephon Gilmore? Or was that more Gilmore just wanted the hell out of there to go to someplace where he could win and they were going to give him that opportunity? Yeah, if they knew if they knew this, maybe maybe they say, "Listen, Stephon, I know you want to go somewhere, but dog on it, you're under contract, and it's never a great thing to force a player to play out the contract." But but again, they didn't know. They, 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 these are two separate issues. But it would be really interesting to know their mindset had they known this was coming down coming down a river. Would they have? And, and this is all Gilmore. This, he, this is one where he said, hey, I see where you guys are at and where I'm at in my career. And, and they they sort of did him a solid by trading him to Dallas. But if things had been different, I don't know. I Maybe they still would have uh, to try to do things the right way. And they're trying and they're going to go. They were going to go young at the position anyway. But now they're really going to go young and we'll see if they bring in a veteran. I think they should. I don't know if they will or not. But that's an interesting question, whether they would have done things differently with Gilmore had they known. Or or Brandon Payson, as far as that goes, would they made an attempt to re-sign him. And I believe, unless somebody of this name recognition, I'm about to say, have been pissed up, uh, picked up recently, uh, I think Bradley Roby, um, Kyle Fuller, Eli Apple, those are these veteran names that are out there right now. You think that maybe the Colts go that direction, or is it just going to be youth and that's it? Well, I, again, I think they should. Just for, it's it's really good to have a veteran presence in the room. I go back to the Mike Adams and Mike Mitchell and all these guys, but they, they, they've known this. Nothing has changed cornerback wise with this decision. They, they they knew he was going to be suspended. They knew it was going to be for the year. So they've known this was happening for the last, what's it been, six weeks or whatever, and they've done nothing. So I, it tends to let me think they're not going to bring a veteran in. They're going to go with these young guys and and sort of bite the bullet. Uh, but, but having said that, I, I, I won't be surprised if they bring in a guy, but it's not. I don't think it's going to be a maybe that name that everybody thinks about because if they were going to do that, they would have brought him in so he, he at least gets the tail end of the OTAs. Yeah. Whoever they're bringing in now, the, the, his first taste will be in training camp. And it's hard to bring in a guy that late for training camp at like cornerback and expect him to be a major player for you. I don't know what you thought um, because I don't know just how much of a thumbnail sketch you have as far as, as what you guys got a chance to witness with Anthony Richardson. 
uh, in OTAs. But did what you saw, did the info you gather lead you to believe that week number one is going to be something doable for the rookie quarterback and the fourth overall selection by the Colts? I just I don't think we saw anything that would tell us one way or the other. I really don't. Not no TAs in any camp. Makes sense. I mean, we we kept track of first team reps, and you know, Kevin was at the forefront of keeping track of completions and all that. But until we get to training camp and, and really see how they're using these guys in first team reps, that that'll tell us. Not so much maybe how he's performing, but if. If Richardson's getting the majority of the reps or a good percentage and, and even more as camp goes on, then to me that points to him starting. And if Minshew's getting the, the, the bulk of them, it, it, it'll tell me that they don't think Richardson will be ready. But it, it's, it, to me it's all going to be about how much does each guy get on first-team reps. If, if you want Richardson to be ready, then he's got to get most of the reps with Pittman and Taylor and Kelly and Raymond and, and Smith. He's got to be getting that. Now with the backups, with the main guys, we'll see that as camp goes along. And, you know, it won't be so much to me what he was percentage-wise and all this. It'll be how they're, how they're using him with the first team. I, I look at it this way in closing that – I, listen, I'll I'll hear where they talk about they're not going to force it. I'm just concerned that how bad would he have to look right, if they agree. deem him unworthy to start in week one. That's how I look at it. Not as, well, he's not ready or whatever. Because to me, I think if they feel he's close to not ready, um, they're still going to put him out there. But if they don't put him out there, that means he's, to me, like miles away yeah. from being ready. And that's the frightening thing. I, I, I've said that he'll, 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 he'll have to prove he's not ready to start, to not start. And I just don't buy you know, letting Minshew play for four games and then easing him in. Because once the season gets going, you, you kind of go with your guy because of the, of the week-to-week-to-week schedule. So I think as long as it, as long as he knows to play book, as long as he knows protections, can get rid of the ball, and as long as he's got quick enough decision making in the protections there, some of this is going to be on how's the offensive line coming along. But I, I tend to agree. I, I think he's going to have to really not be ready, and they'll know that. They'll know that by how they go back and evaluate week game or day to day practices. And like I say, we're, we're going to see that by how they used him in camp because I really think that Minshew he'll be more ready Minshew will be more ready but I think Minshew can get ready quicker if he hasn't been given a lot of the reps the last week or two of camp and all of a sudden they say yeah the kid's not ready and you have Minshew but I think it's going to be if the kid is just not ready and everybody knows it then you can't play him you know, the, the veterans would know who deserves to play. And if they put him out there and he's not ready and he hasn't earned it, everybody knows, and, and that would be not beneficial to anybody. But I think it's all it's all on Richardson. If, if he's not ready and you know it, you don't play him. If he's close or he's ready, you play him. Hey, I also look that way with Shaquille Leonard. 
if it is, you know, something like what we've gathered so far, you know, if it's, well, progress, but kind of thing, yeah, I, I, look at his long term, I look at his long-term future, Mike, as being compromised. I don't want to, though, I don't want, when we meet those guys in the end of July, I don't, well, he's going to open up on Pup because he's not yes. quite ready, but he's trending, no timeline. I'm just going to, I'm just not going to expect much of anything from him this year. It'll be like eight or nine months. And and if not if not after that time, then when? So, and that's another one. They I think they, they need to know for the defense and for personnel, but boy, if he's not ready for training camp, then then, then what's another two weeks, three weeks, a month, or two months going to matter? So yeah, I'll be really concerned if he's not ready to practice late July. It just it, it, that, that would almost like when I I asked Chris Ballard a question in February, is he ever going to be what you thought he was going to be? And he said, "quote I wouldn't bet against him yeah. if we find out that he's not close to good to go or not good to go." Again, I mentioned it, his his long term future to me is going to be compromised then. Well, because until until you see him practicing, you know, practice Monday, practice Tuesday, practice yeah, Thursday. Right. And, until you see that, wh- wh- why shouldn't you be concerned? He's not played at his level since 2021, so you've got to be concerned, and that's why the sooner he's out there in training camp, and to me, to soon means right away. There's a concern. There just is a concern. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, kind enough to join us here on a Thursday Tavern Tour stop. We're at Irea's on the southeast side of downtown off of college. R would have loved this event. We miss R a great deal, Mike. It's good to share this with you, even if it's over the phone. Well, tip one for me, and hopefully we'll get our power back here in Beach Grove, and I can enjoy my evening. You got power off right now, do you? Power off about the last 45 minutes, and hopefully we'll get yeah. it back. Evidently, mine has been off down in Bargersville since 10 after 4, from That's what I gather. That's about when it went out here. That's about when it went out here. People are telling me that basically any way you're trying to get from downtown to the south side, whether it's um, you know Madison or 31 or Bluff, the lights are out everywhere, and it's just oh, good a good mess. Yeah, for what I hear. Yeah. They're, they're, so, they're just trying to they're trying to get home to a house with no power. So I, you know, <laughs> good I think I'm that. just going to stay here. There you I go. I'll just stay here. Thanks, Mike. Alrighty. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from setting the pace. Free agency underway tomorrow. The early portions of July should be rather exciting. If not for the pace or certainly around the NBA, Alex Golden, he joins us now. Hello, Alex. How are you? Are you out of the storm? Well, I am still driving in and I'm stuck on 465, but thankfully it's not oh. raining too hard. So I'm, I'm doing all right, though. Alex Golden is much like REO Speedwagon. He is riding the storm out right now, everybody. <laughs> That's what he is doing on 465. Well, you know, while you're there, too, and you got some time on your hands, stuck in traffic because of the weather, you know, let's talk about uh, the Pacers. What level of interest do you have as, as far as free agency in the NBA officially get un- in the, getting underway and your expectation 
for the type of work that this Pacer team is about to do. Yeah, I think based on a lot of the reporting we've heard, there's definitely interest in adding depth to the front court. The one that's picked up steam a little bit recently is Max Strews. And I don't necessarily know if I buy that. It seems a little bit odd for his figure with this team. But if they do bring in Max Strews, I would expect multiple other moves to be made, specifically at the guard rotation. So uh, Harrison Barnes is a name that's been linked to the Pacers pretty much since the beginning of last week as a free agent guy with the connections with Carlisle and Halliburton and Buddy Hill if he's still here. I think that he makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, uh, I wouldn't rule him returning. I wouldn't rule out him returning to Sacramento. I think that was a good fit last year. No reason to break that up and and figure out a deal that works for them. But, um, yeah, I think that they're going to be players, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're bigger players in the trade market and not as big in the free agent market. The the Max Drew stuff doesn't make sense to me, really. Um, And nothing against him as a player. Um, but watching him play, it seems like, and I know you want to get paid, so you go someplace else, but his best opportunity to play at his best, where he is a fantastic fit, is where he has been and not in another place, and most notably not with the Pacers. That's a fit that I just don't see. Yeah, I'll say this. I think that someone put out a great tweet last night saying, how many players from Miami have left their system and gone elsewhere to be better or equal? And it's a very, very, very small list. And I think, you know, whether you like Miami or not, they do a great job there with their infrastructure and getting guys in that can really play. So I personally think you're right. His best fit would be to stay in Miami, but they can't pay him what the Pacers can pay him or other teams can pay him. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where the only reason I can see the Pacers being interested, I think uh, not this past season, but the season before, he shot close to like 40% from three or maybe over. And then this last year he was above 35%. I know that for a fact. But in the playoffs, he shot around 33% and 31% the last two years. So, took a little bit of a dip, but he's a better defender than Buddy Hill, but not by much. I, I, I don't love the players, Max Truth, <laughs> as much as maybe some people do but i think he's a fine rotational guy but i wouldn't want to be putting 15 16 million dollars to his name for three years doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me when you have so many young guards that you'd probably like to see develop a little bit more than uh they have and i just don't think investing in someone like that makes a ton of sense right now yeah it's alex golden who joins us too and and while they have money to spend money in fact they have to spend they being the pacers you can't go through this like swashbuckling or anything like that because it kill it still can't come back to haunt you and you know it's a decision like that and and really we'll talk a little bit more i'm sure about buddy healed but you know there's a major decision at some point maybe not until the trade deadline coming up in february whatever that they're going to have to make is a major decision on what to do with him and you know compare this to what they would miss without him to what they would end up getting to make up for his loss of production you know especially in terms of of the amount of cost that he would have moving down the road. That, that is a huge decision. We've talked about it a lot, but when you think about it in terms of that way, Alex, that is a tremendously large decision. And just because you have money to spend, you know, really it, 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 you got to be careful on how you spend it if you're the Pacers especially. Yeah, I think Buddy Hield, it's one of those things where I think his value to the Pacers might be higher than it is around the league because of the system yeah. that we play and the relationship that he has with Halliburton and Carlisle and the ability to get him open shots. 
if the goal is to bring him off the bench and to have him be kind of like that sixth man, yeah, he's going to be playing some with Halliburton, but not as much. And will that impact his overall uh, impact on this team, his overall value on this team? And I think it could because we saw Buddy Heald was fine without Halliburton, but not anything special like he was with him. So that to me is the only reason why I think he definitely could be a trade candidate for this team just because he's an expiring contract. They've got $30 million, but they can include him in a deal to maybe take on a bigger contract that doesn't uh, hold up all of their cap space. And that, to me, is a smart idea. But, yeah, I think Buddy Hill does have value. I mean, when you're shooting over 40% from three, it's hard not to have value in this league that desperately wants shooters no matter what team you are. So I, I think that including him, yeah, the Pacers aren't going to give him away for free. We've already seen that over the last you know year, the rumors that we heard about him. So fits this team, yes, but at the same time, they just drafted Ben Shepard. They had Christy Martin who they drafted two years ago. They've got Benedict Mather. They've got Andrew Nimhard. They're just not – there's just not great playing time, I don't think, for him. And I think if they want to see these young guys develop, then maybe moving on from Buddy makes a ton of sense. Do I overvalue Buddy Heald? I just look at it from this standpoint. I look at him as a shot maker. Um, I look at him as an offensive threat. Even when he doesn't have the ball, he has to be tagged. And I think that if you take him away from this Pacer offense, it will be noticeably missed. And even with the names you mentioned, you know, you talk about Duarte and others right here. I just find it really hard to believe that, A, they could be as productive in shot-making from distance as Buddy is, and, B, as just being a threat that has to be guarded out there on the floor whenever he is out there. You have to know where he is. I, I don't think the guys you just mentioned – at all bring that particular dynamic. Thus, I think that will be incredibly missing from this Pacer offense if he's gone. No, you're not wrong about that, and he does a great job moving without the basketball as well. Um, but for you, I, I do think you overvalue him maybe just a little bit, but for you, it's probably like looking into America because he's such a great shooter, right? So, um, Well, yeah, and a, and a maker. I mean, that, and there's one thing, you're a shooter – like, Duarte's a shooter, I'm sure, and can be a sh- But I'm talking about being a maker. And then, you know, you you he, you he watch defenses scramble. And, and I made a, I made a, uh, a correlation between, you know, Duncan Robinson. Not like they're, they're alike players at all. But if you watch Duncan Robinson in those games in the postseason, especially in the finals, if he made a couple, I mean, defenses would tie themselves in knots you know, off a high ball screen to make sure that they even get in his vicinity. I just think that there's something to be said about being somebody that is that much of a threat and how it opens it up for others offensively on the floor when he's out there. And I look at Buddy Heald that way. No, and I think that's a great point. I mean, I was being a little bit suspicious there when I was comparing him to you. No, but you're you're right about my shot-making ability, though, Alex. You're right yeah, about that, not, yeah. I've heard, I've heard these, the these dudes, are, these dudes are coming out to the hash mark because they know I can't drive or do anything else. So, yes, yeah. that's it. So just set screens. I'll set screens for you if we ever play, and we'll get you open. <laughs> I promise you that. I'm an unselfish player. But, no, I think, honestly, with Buddy Hill, though, at the end of the day, I think the Pacers trust their offense enough that they have with this roster and with the additions that they want to bring in that – they don't feel like it's as big of a subtraction to trade him because they want to get better defensively. And I think that, you know, if you're asking Buddy Hill to do too much, then that can be a little bit problematic. So 
I, honestly, I wonder how impactful he will be if he is coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, he still could put up six-man numbers if he's playing a heavy amount of minutes. We know Rick Carlisle really likes him, but I just feel like with the decisions they've made at that guard position, it feels very like the, the, the writing is on the wall. Like his time is coming to an end here in Indiana, even though he's really close with Halliburton and everything like that. He will be missed for a lot of the off-ball stuff that he does and brings to the table, too, not just the on-ball stuff. Um, definitely feel like he got his value up higher, leading Sacramento, coming to Indiana, and putting up the numbers that he did. But, you know, he's one of those guys that when you got him in the trades, you weren't really like, yeah, we got Buddy Hill, and then he really grew on you. Fans really started to love him, and I think that fans will be disappointed to see him go, that's for sure, based on the, the feedback I've gotten. But I think if you want to get better, you have to upgrade at that position and get more of a versatile two-way guy. And unfortunately, Buddy's kind of a one-dimensional, and that's more of an offensive gifted player that really struggles defensively. Well, I don't think the shot-making ability is going to leave anytime soon. But the other problem is you look at the defensive prowess, and while you hope that others get better defensively, I mean, they better, and they should, including Tyrese Halliburton. He's just not one that you feel that he can get much better than what he has shown and what he has shown certainly struggles defensively. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, Halliburton's going to have to take that step defensively. That's why I think, you know, if you have a starting lineup, which I've seen some fans put out there on Twitter, like, yeah, Buddy, Matherin, and Tyrese with Jairus Walker and Miles Turner, I'm like, that's not a great defensive backcourt. I mean, we saw Benedict last year. He really struggled uh, defensively. Same with Buddy. Uh, Tyrese has had his moments where he's kind of been targeted. And then you're relying on a rookie and Miles Turner to kind of be your defensive anchors. That doesn't seem like that's something that's going to be long-lasting. So, you know, Nimhard, I think, unless they bring in a starting caliber shooting guard, he'll probably continue to start there at the, at the two. But, yeah, it, Tyrese is going to have to really step up defensively if he wants to take that next step and be more than just an all-star. I think if he wants to lead this team to the playoffs, he's going to have to buy in and fully be committed defensively. All right, so what direction do you think they're going? I mean, you mentioned Harrison Barnes. I mean, is, is that it right now as far as where you think they're going? I, I've said this before. I really, and believe me, I look at it financially, I know that there's no way that they're going to pay him what he ultimately wants. But as far as somebody that would be perfect for this team moving forward, I, I think that Jeremy Grant would be perfect for this team. It's just not going to happen. That's a pipe dream. So outside yeah. of that, outside of that, is Harrison Barnes at the top of this list? Yeah, I think if you're looking at free agents, Harrison Barnes makes the most sense. And if I'm the Pacers, I'm offering him a two-year deal. I'm not giving him a four-year deal. I think a two-year deal, probably in the $25 million range per year, makes a lot of sense. You probably have to overpay a little bit to get him away from a team like Sacramento. But... I think getting him on that two-year deal for about $25 million a year would make a lot of sense because the short-term flexibility helps, and him and Miles would come off the books at the same time. That's when, uh, excuse me, Matherin's extension probably would kick in. Uh, same with Nimhard. So I think that's one way to look at it. And as well, like we've heard the rumored interest in OG and Anobi for quite some time now. He's going to be a free agent next year if he's not traded by Toronto this year because he's going to essentially opt out of his contract. And I think Zach Lowe said it recently on one of his podcasts that there's no way he's picking up that last player option. He'll hit free agency. So if you have Barnes on an expiring, it makes him much more easier to move than if he has three years on his deal. 
if the goal is to get OG and Anobi for the year after. So I, I think that's just one of the reasons why I would keep my eyes on him. But I think via trade, I, I wouldn't shut down the idea of going after a guy like Jonathan Kaminga from the Warriors. I think that they're a team that could be looking to move him. And the Pacers do have some pieces here that could fit what the Warriors want to do. We know they're very high on Chris Duarte. So keep that in mind. And I, I do buy the Tobias Harris rumors as well. I think that the Pacers wouldn't trade pick seven or anything like that for Tobias Harris, but he's on an expiring contract making about $40 million. I know that sounds like a lot, but with the $30 million in capsules that they have, if you throw in a Buddy Hill, Daniel Tice, Chris Duarte type package to get Tobias Harris, one, it helps them fall out your roster. When I can play the three and the four if you want to let Jarris Walker get some minutes there at the four with an experienced lineup. So that, to me, is something I'm keeping an eye on as well. But I, I think the trade market is something that we really have to keep our eyes on because there's going to be a, a, a fury of trades here, and I, and I expect the Pacers with the millions of dollars that they have in cap space to be very active in that market. You like Tobias Harris's game um, and how it translates to the Pacers. That's number one. And number two, is it me or – do I just not remember accurately? I thought there was a, a point in time years ago where there was some talk about Tobias Harris coming here. I think uh, before he ended up in Philly, um, you know, between his days with the Clippers in Philly, where he did not want to come here. He had no interest in being here. And he had stated that. Am I wrong about that? I don't know why that's on my mind, but it has been since Tobias Harris has been mentioned as far as rumors are concerned. No, that's a great point. I, I kind of remember that vaguely, but it's not something that's fresh off the top of my head. So I can't commit to saying I know that that was for sure yeah. what happened. But um, I will say this. I think Tobias Harris is overpaid definitely for what he's done in Philadelphia. Um, but when you watch his games in the Clippers, like he was hitting some big-time buckets when he was kind of the go-to guy in the Clippers. Now, I don't think you want Tobias Harris to be your go-to guy because that's not getting you uh, as far as your, your goal should be, and that's to win as many games as you can and try to and move past round one at least in the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying into Tobias Harris being that kind of guy, but I think that his comments the other day about how Philly, uh, Philly fans have been acting about him, makes it seem like he would be open to a change of scenery. And I think Indiana could make a lot of sense because people want to play with Tyrese Halliburton. So I think that this would be a nice fit for him as well. I'd have to Google that. I just thought that there was something. There was like some some relationship that um, connected Tobias Harris to the Pacers, and that was mentioned. And then he had had stated or something. It was reported or was it the very least talked about that he had no interest in coming here because it was Indiana? I just, I, for some reason, I remember that. I just, I don't have the details, and I don't. I guess I can't Google it right here. But that's that's what I remember vaguely. No, you're probably right. I mean, you have a great memory, John. So don't don't second guess yourself. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I am kind of right uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I was just talking with somebody the other day about the Ricky Rubio stuff, and I was trying to remember all the stuff that was going down there because there's a ton of Ricky Rubio rumors at one point. And obviously he signed with Phoenix in 2019, got Malcolm Brogdon. And, you know, there was something that happened with Phoenix where they were able to, like, create enough cap space to get him, and it was a team that wasn't really mentioned as a suitor for him. And I was trying to remember how that happened yesterday, and I couldn't. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a lot of talk out there, and I think – you know, the Pacers probably would have got Rubio uh, if the Brogdon thing wouldn't, wouldn't have happened. So, you know, I, 
anyway, I'm backtracking here, but with Tobias Harris, I, once again, I think that this is a guy that really could fit with the Pacers. I, I do believe in him as a player. Uh, my biggest fear is just like if he becomes a free agent the next year, uh, overpaying for him for a long-term deal because that would be, to me, not the smartest move based on who you have on the roster. And I think there's better players and better fits out there. But for a one-time thing, for a one-year stop, gap kind of uh, – small four power forward, I would be okay with it. You know what? In terms of explaining it that way, if this Pacer team were more on the verge, I think I would buy that. But given they're not that much on the verge, then I would have to say no to that pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think that I think this is Carlisle's third year. Halliburton's ready to get to the playoffs. I think they're going to try their best to raise the floor as high as they can. And I know a lot of fans don't like that because, yeah, the, the fans that I've been talking to are like, we want to make moves that raise the ceiling, and that's why they've been pretty adamant. Like, let's not go after Harrison Barnes. But I'm like, you know, I think getting in a guy here that has experience in the league. He just mentored Keegan Murray last year, and Keegan Murray really developed. Could be a nice, you know, piece to add to kind of help mentor Jarris Walker. He knows Carlisle's system. He knows uh, Tyrese pretty well. He's not going to be, you know, as expensive as Tobias Harris and I think fits what this team wants to do. So, you know, you might not raise your ceiling as much, but at the end of the day, the ceiling of this Pacers team is not a championship team right now. So anybody with those expectations are very unrealistic. You, you wanted to see this team get into the playoffs, be competitive, let these young guys get the experience they need because they're inexperienced and playoff experience. So that to me is where I want to see them just continue to let them grow and get that experience to make them hungrier for the next year. Cause this, this course seems like their core is going to be together for a long time. No, hey, listen, I, I completely agree. I could tell in talking to Tyrese Halliburton in the pre-race show out at the 500 back in May that that dude wants to win right now and is ready to start winning. So I completely agree with you on that. I just thought, to me, there are better options, I think, uh, better options than Tobias Harris to get that job done coming up here. I guess we'll see. All right, some other names that are floating around and then maybe some guys – that are established right now at the Pacers that may not be long-term after this past month on this roster. Anybody come to mind? Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of smoke around DeAndre Hunter with Atlanta and the Pacers have an interest in him and potentially talking to trade with him at the, at the draft and stuff like that. And I know Jake Fisher said that those talks have died and don't seem like they'll resurface, but I think they could based on what we just saw from John Collins, which the John Collins trade was a very bizarre one. Seeing him get salary dumped to, to Utah from Atlanta was not something I was expecting, but... Yeah, I think that he's a name to keep an eye on via trade. He just signed, a, I think, a four-year extension for about $20 million a year. So that does fit your timetable there with your young core. Uh, pretty cheap contract, $20 million is very nice. In today's NBA, uh, you know, I, I think it's more around like what you would probably see around $15 million in the past couple of years. So I think that's a very good value pickup for the Pacers there. And then via trade, you know, with these guys on this team, I, I feel like the writing's on the wall for Buddy Hill, probably Chris Duarte, and I would assume Daniel Tice. I think those three are the most likely to be moved. Um, it, it's really hard to say based on what they're going to do because we haven't seen any of the, uh, the framework of any deals yet come out. But I think they could be more aggressive than people realize. But 
when you're looking at their core, the only people I would say are probably solidified in that core right now. You got Matherin and Halliburton, obviously, with Jerris Walker, the latest pickup, uh, eighth overall pick. And then you've got Nimhard and probably Miles Turner. I think that's your five safest bets. Everybody else probably could be had. I'd say Ben Shepard's the closest one to not being traded just because they just drafted him. But out of all the, t- all the players on the team, I think you can make the case for any of them to be traded if the trade makes sense. Should be interesting. Uh, I, I want some fireworks, I do. And I, I do want them, Alex, to work to be better in the now with also an eyeball on the long term. It just kind of seems like that free agency is just not what it once was. Just not, not a great deal of oh, wow factor, it seems, any longer in it. Would you agree? Yeah, because a lot of these guys that are able to hit free agency end up doing, uh, you know, they re-sign with their team and then they request a trade the next year. So it's one of those things where it made it, it made it more beneficial for players to re-sign and then request a trade like six months later or a year later yeah. than it was to hit the yeah. open market. So I think that's why we're seeing all that. But, you know, the biggest free agent out there now is James Harden. But the Pacers don't want someone like that. I mean, Draymond Green, yeah, he might, he'd be an interesting figure with the Pacers. But at his age, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, I agree with you. If they could somehow get their hands on Jeremy Grant, he would be the perfect fit here for agency-wise for this team. Uh, just does a little bit of everything that you want. But with what yeah. we've been hearing from Portland, it seems like he's going back there. So, yeah, it's a little bit lackluster, but that's what makes the trade market so much fun because Pacers have flexibility. They can do a lot of different things. They've picked up an extra first. Uh, do they use their money to potentially be another salary dump team and get extra assets to continue down the road? And um, that wouldn't surprise me either. So I'm just I'm as, I'm excited to see what they do. That the trade market definitely feels like it's going to be much more efficient than the uh, free agency market. All right, we'll keep an eye on it and uh, keep in touch with you, Alex. I appreciate that very much. Setting the pace. They've always got great interviews there, great Pacers content there with the podcast and such. And our friend Alex Golden via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hopefully you get off of 465 sometime in the near future. Yes, I just got off. I'm uh, heading to my parents' house. We're leaving for a wedding in Ohio tonight. So uh got to give them a shout-out to my parents today are celebrating 38 years of marriage. So Nice. Uh, Jim and Gina Golden, just want to give them a happy anniversary shout-out. Love my parents. They do anything for me and our family. So they're the best. Jim and Gina Golden, shout-out to them. And, Alex, be careful, man. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch. Absolutely, John. Thanks for having me on. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.